Hi, welcome to Quit on the Macabre. I'm Katie Adkins. I'm Kelly Reed. I'm Hunter. Yay! Do I say my last name? You can if you want. It's personal choice. I'm Hunter Moore. This is Hunter Moore. <laughs> Yay. So exciting news is that we have a permanent new co-host addition to me and Kelly is Hunter Moore. Hunter is an avid watcher of true crime. <laughs> an avid listener of true crime podcasts. Guilty. Yes, please. Give us your resume. <laughs> to the point to where uh, people she just meets go, oh, is this your line of work? <laughs> It's all I talk about. It's all I talk about. It's a problem. It's not a problem. Other people think it's a problem. It's not a problem. Like it's it. never a problem. <laughs> <I like it. laughs> this time we're going to be talking about cold cases, which was Hunter's idea. Did you have anything that like inspired you to pick the topic? Um, I don't know. There's some of my favorite things to like look into. There isn't a right or wrong answer, so anything is possible. But it's also still like some of the more upsetting and troublesome cases too. So it's like a very mixed feeling. But I just I just think they're really interesting, and I think it's important to talk about the cold cases too. Um, because I mean the solved ones are solved. So Kelly, you know how could you? I know, I actually did it this time. Yeah, no, I got excited because when you said cold cases, my mind immediately went to the TV show Cold Case that I used to watch all the time with my cold mom. Cold Case Files? Cold. Oh. Well, there was also another show just called Cold Case. Cold Case. Have you watched Cold Justice? <laughs> I think I've heard of it. Cold Justice. This badass <laughs> bitch attorney. I don't remember her name, but she's this Texas lady who was a lawyer mm-hmm. crime fighter <laughs> lawyer crime fighter, fighter. Okay. and she goes around and she just um picks like random cold cases has like a detective with her one of the detectives she works with worked on the btk killer um and they go and they just look at different cold cases and try to solve them oh, um, cool. and they like talk with the family and it's really cool and she's just she calls everyone like baby and she's so like but she's like a badass like she does not fuck around she's yeah. not she's from texas it's so good you she's, don't mess with texas she's from texas she, like whenever she's talking to like a child or someone she's like oh baby oh i'm so sorry honey just like and oh. she just like she has she's so emotional but it's called cold justice and it's so it's so good okay so good. that's well, awesome have that's that my out. recommendation <laughs> yeah <laughs> i just remember cold case was like fictional show like it didn't do any true crime at all but the idea was that these two detectives take <laughs> on cold cases and the best part was the reenactments of oh what boy. happened it's like the same production level as, as like uh, csi it's not like swamp murder <laughs> which uh i was on and someone commented on that today on instagram they were like i was watching swamp murders and went why does why does she look familiar <laughs> you were so good in that though thank y'all i've watched, I've watched it it's, it was good i always forget until every everyone's in a blue moon someone goes I just saw you on the ID channel. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And you're like, yes, that yes, is me. Yes, I am. That's I was not murdered, though. but my sister was <laughs> by her. Well, that's a spoiler. So, <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, it's called Swap Murders. We knew somebody was going to get murdered. Yeah. What they would do is they would try to, they would always be solving, um, crimes that happened in like the fucking 40s or some shit and they would always get like celebrity guests to like oh. play the people from the past because they're all those are always just 
guest stars. Isn't that how, like, Justin Bieber played, like, a dead body on CSI or something? Yeah, something like that. I don't know if it was Justin Bieber. But some, like, really famous guy was, like... I just want to be a dead body. he got famous, they were like, oh, he was a dead body in something. Oh, <laughs> man. Well, that wouldn't have been Justin Bieber because unless they needed a dead body of a child. Cause I, think he got, I think it was. Oh, like, really? I think it was, like, a kid who got hit by a car or something. That's funny. I don't know. I played a dead body. <laughs> and it's actually harder than it looks. <laughs> I would be so bad at it. Like, because you have to... You have to not breathe so yeah, yeah. sometimes I sometimes i think about like d reynolds and always sunny in philadelphia do you ever see that episode where she like she's dead she's got like the part of the dead body and she's <laughs> finally gotten a job as an actress and they're like no just be dead and she's like but like what's my what's my story what's my motive? Like, what, why would i be dead and she's like i don't think my character would be dead and so like every time they try to film she's like wait, I'm alive. I had to trick you <laughs> so that you could find the villain. And they were like, fucking stop. <laughs> My first acting job was also being dead. I also had scenes where I was alive, but a lot of it was me being dead to the point to where like, I thought you were just like, yeah, you just like don't breathe. Breathing in just enough that you're not like dying, dying, I guess, uh, which I don't think your body would let you just choose to stop breathing anyways. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, like you couldn't just not. Yeah, your brain's like, obviously you can't handle your- this extreme. <laughs> Hard tasks, so I'm gonna have to take yeah, over. Yeah, so so your brain is responsible for keeping you alive. It's not responsible for keeping you happy or sane or anything else. So it's just like no, no, no. We know these basic rules. Mm-hmm. We gotta, we gotta do this. And it does its job well. Done. Um, but they stopped at one point and were like, "Are you okay? You're so still." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm dead. I'm like literally on like an autopsy table. I I didn't know what you expected me to was do. It, cold? Uh, it was cold." But also, I was covered in sticky blood and sticky grossness, so it was just like a, uh, That altogether just sounds really unpleasant. Yeah. It, it was, but it was a fun experience, I guess, because this was my first time on, like, a TV set. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're um, like, look at me go. I was like, look at me go. I'm 16. I'm a real actress. <laughs> but yes, cold case. So, uh, typically, the order in which we do our stories, Hunter, is that whoever picked the topic just goes first. I know. Because oh, I sorry. listen to your podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's ours now. Everything you see, the light touches. Also, apologies in advance. My voice is still kind of gone. We went on Velocicoaster last weekend, and mm-hmm. I screamed so loud that I blew out my vocal cords. So, <gasps> oh <laughs> my <are>. god! <laughs> I found this case on um, the show A Crime to Remember, um, which is one of my favorite true crime shows. The reenactments are beautiful. Why does it sound romantic? A Crime to Remember. It's, it usually is like they have a lot of like femme fatale stories <laughs> and like. Um, the reenactments are just like quality. There's not too much talking or anything. It's almost um, just a lot of like B-roll, but like it's not over the top. And it's usually like period pieces. Like this one's from the 20s, so they have a lot of cool like costumes and stuff. Um, but this is on. This is an episode called Guess Who, and it's it was one of my like it's one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> it's like my favorite case to talk about because it's right. just it is bananas and it's not. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tell you about it. Yeah, just, I'm just do gonna it. Tell you about it. I'm Dying. excited because a little bit you did tell me I have never heard of this, so <laughs> I'm really excited. It's 1922. It's L.A. Um, it is a year before the big Hollywood sign is put up. Prohibition is in full swing. Um, the city is just 
having a great time, really growing, um, lots of thriving, doing its best. Drinking illegally. <laughs> lots of illegal <laughs> drinking, um, and a lot of just people moving to the city. One of those um, couples was Fred and Walburga. Walburga. Aus- Walburga. Okay. Which is the name of Sirius Black's mother in Harry Potter, but that's beside the point. Interesting. Um, Walburga Black. Anyways, um... <laughs> off topic yeah i guess someone had to be named that at some point in time yeah i don't i don't know she went by dolly so fred and dolly osterreich osterreich osterick let me see ostrich ostrich it, Oster- looks, it, it looks like ostrich <laughs> i like ostrich. i think it's osterick it's like german or polish so someone can tell me so fred and we're gonna call her dolly because walberga is just too much um, so Fred, I would go by Dolly, too, if I was named Walburga. That's what she went by, and we're going to respect that. Yeah. Um, so Fred and Dolly Osterreich were a couple from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and they had just moved there um, to L.A. to start a new textile mill. So going back to kind of their beginnings, because it's important, because um, this case gets wild way before the actual murder. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, exciting. Surprise, there's a murder. It's Milwaukee. Wisconsin, Fred owns a textile mill factory that makes aprons. And one day he comes across this charming, really pretty girl named Dolly. They hit it off. She's super charismatic, kind of like a smooth talker. I wouldn't say they fall in love, but they kind of hit it off and get married. It was a really problematic marriage, but it was also very tactical. Um, <laughs> so like a like a political marriage almost? Kind of. So Fred was known as very unsociable, very stubborn. Like you did not want to be on his bad side. Mm. He would um, just be temper- temperamental and he was hard on all of his um, factory workers. Like uh. always like go faster, do better, work harder. Uh, um, probably anti-union. <laughs> and then Dolly would come in and be like, oh, I'm sorry about him. You know how he is. He's just a little grumpy today. You're doing super great. Right, like just kind she was of the sugar to his spice. Smoothing things Bad cop, over. Good cop, but in a marriage. Yeah, like <laughs> she would all she would often kind of help mediate business deals because Fred was so like, This is what I want, give it to me. And she'd be like, What he means is it would be really nice if you did this for us and we could do something for you. So she was just much better socially. Um, but Fred had money, and she did not. Um, so that's where kind of the benefit for both of them was in the marriage. It was also important to them to have that kind of public image of Dolly being the... Um, sometimes she would help as being the forelady of the factory, so kind of supervising. Um, and he was the owner, so their public image was very important to them. Um, they were very affluent, high society kind of as picturesque as their relationship was in the public um dolly had some secrets going on from the beginning of their marriage dolly um never never really was super satisfied by fred um he didn't necessarily have everything going on he didn't know where the clue was he just couldn't (laughs) couldn't keep up with her she was like i'm young i'm feeling good i need this and he was like here it is once a month and that wasn't it for her. <laughs> right. She said, that's not enough. She's like, all right, well, so this is So she looks elsewhere a lot. 
So from basically the beginning of their marriage, she was having multiple extramarital affairs. Damn, Dolly. <laughs> yeah. Um, While Virgo? Often. <laughs> with, like, yeah. And usually it was like more than one affair at a time, too. Um, so, so she, she was cheating like, on or cheating, cheating? Yeah. <laughs> or, or cheating on cheating on cheating, yes. Or she was having like threesomes. It would surprise me. She sounds like she was pretty nasty. Um, so, get right, it, girl. Get it, girl. And probably. <laughs> Um, and so while Fred was at the factory doing his thing, um, if she, she would call off sick for the day or whatever it was, and while he's working, she would have the men over at the house, um, and then when Fred gets home and everything's fine. Bold. Mm. Yes. Bold. Um, <laughs> yes. What if he came home early, Dolly? Uh, I got, it never happened. Wow. So she, I actually expected that to be part of the story. No, she is. <laughs> smart like this lady she knew that like if she kept her image the way it was like she could manipulate men to get what she wanted and to get further in life but Mm -hmm. she knew that she had to maintain a certain level of like this as a woman this is where I belong um but she was really savvy and that's kind of part of the problem (laughs) Mm. yeah so which I'm by no means am I condoning cheating or anything it's just you don't hear about this kind of spicy stuff from back in the day (laughs) no and that's that's (laughs) or women this assertive yeah and that's part of why this story is like so crazy is because of the time like this was unheard of right um this kind of thing just you it just didn't happen all of these affairs, cheating on her husband, is how she meets arguably the real love of her life, Otto San Huber. San Huber? Man, they just don't name kids San the same Huber. anymore. San Huber? Otto. I think it's San Huber, but we're going to just call him Otto because it's easier. Okay. Um, and we like it. We like Autobots it. Autobots assemble. Okay. <laughs> Autobots. <laughs> Autobots roll out. That's what he says every time he leaves her house. Yes. After their assorted affairs, he's like, all right, Autobots, roll out. And his boys come with him. Yes. So it's actually funny you bring up mechanical stuff. Like, Oh, gosh. Um, so he, there are two versions of how dolly met otto the first one so it's 1913 otto is 17 um we think no one actually knows when he was born including him he was orphaned and then adopted so So how old is dolly um she at this time was 33 oh she She likes him oh yeah we're we're gonna we're gonna get to that um (laughs) So see, we're I not see. sure, but we're pretty sure Otto is around 17, and he is sent by the Singer Sewing Company to the oh. textile mill factory. Oh, um, they've been around for a minute. Yeah, um, because one of the sewing machines has broken down. Um, and this is where Dolly lays eyes on this kind of boyish, slender, um, very slight guy, and she says, That's I it. like that. That's for me. That's definitely really weird, but there is a sort of an explanation. Her son, Raymond, had recently passed away, and... (laughs) I'm still waiting to hear the connection. (laughs) Was he around his age? Yes. Wait, wait, hold on. Let me do some math really quick. So she had a kid at 15, 
Or thir- 16. She had a child at 16. I don't know. No, 20. I can't do math. I can't do math. It, it would have oh, been, fuck. like, in her 20s. Oh, I'm dead. Hold Beans on. If like, she's 33 <laughs> and this kid's 17, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 32. Yeah, 16. I, would, I did math right. Yeah, I don't she know exactly. She had to have exactly. a kid at 16 in order for her to have a child that was about the same age as I Otto. I mean, it was the 20s, though, so, yeah. like. Also, have you ever seen Teen Mom? <laughs> So she <laughs> develops this weird kind of yeah. So cougar-y it's, it's kind this of weird, weird like mix between like maternal instincts and grieving the loss of her son and also her like wild sexual libido. Yeah. Um, combining and she's like, this auto kid is sexy and I want it. Um, but I also want to protect it. <laughs> yes, literally. But no, I yes. also like want to have it's given gross. birth to yeah. it. It's gross and bad. Okay. Um, Weird. As long as we're acknowledging that. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it's, it's My kid just died and you remind me of him. Let's fuck. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm picking up. Yeah. That, that's exactly it. Um, he, I mean, he was very small, like really thin. Like he looked like a child. Yeah, it's gross. They begin an affair. That's version one. Version two... Um, is that Otto had been friends with Raymond, um, and then Raymond passed away, and then Otto kept coming around the house, checking on Dolly, you know, I'm so sorry for your loss. Raymond was her husband? Um, her son. son. Her son, that's what it was, sorry, I forgot. Her son. Her husband's name is Fred? Yes. Okay. Yes, Fred is the husband. Um, so again, Otto reminds her of her lost son, and she's horny, and there you go. (laughs) It's bad. Weird. Both both versions are strange and uncomfortable. So it is rumored that one of the first private meetings between Otto... Stop looking at my notes, cheater. She does that. Cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. I'm just going to read the whole thing. I'm not. Cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. I also, I like read a sentence and then I space out into it. Like I've only read this one sentence. I didn't even read the rest of it. I'm sorry. I'll stop. No. I'll look over here. Divert your attention. Okay, anyways. (laughs) (laughs) For those who can't see on camera, there's a laptop over there. (laughs) Don't tell them my secret. I'm sorry. (laughs) We blatantly, like, read right in front of them. It's okay. (laughs) Okay, 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 okay. So it's rumored that one of their first private meetings, um, Dolly greets Otto at the door in a black silk robe with nothing underneath, stockings, and like drenched in perfume. Okay. And this is a 17-year-old kid. He stands no chance. With those, right. I, yes. I'm imagining she's wearing those little slippers with the little poof on them. Yeah. Probably. Who knows? It's and she's 20s. got like, anything she's like, could happen. oh, I just got out of the shower. But her hair is like perfectly done. And <laughs> yes. Sorry, sorry I'm naked and completely dry and yeah. have makeup oh, on. I just got out of the shower. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so and he's she, like, yeah, checks out. Checks out. She invites him <laughs> to the bedroom where her sewing machine was broken. In the bed. <laughs> and she watches him work. And in A Crime to Remember, there's this scene where, like, so he's, he's like, bent over the sewing machine, like, kind of crouching on the ground. And she's directly behind him. And she just, like, reaches her toe, like, up and, like, oh, so bad. She caresses him with her toe. Yes. That's so rapey. <laughs> but also, why your toe? Also, toes are gross. Well, the the <laughs> idea was like she was like leaned back with like her robe 
and she like leaned back and like poked him with her toe right like like, slowly like like, yeah yeah, slowly one of the shoulders falls off (laughs) and then slowly the other shoulder falls off and he's a 17 year old good what is he gonna do say no or freak out and say no be like i'm 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 uncomfortable (laughs) no and and the i'm trying to talk about your sewing machine (laughs) ma'am ma'am you're distracting me (laughs) yeah was this fixed or not important to remember that Otto was orphaned he had never really had a true mother figure so he's attracted to moms and wants to bang him so yes literally he's like wow (laughs) an older woman showing me attention and affection heck yeah I'm in on this I feel like this is like inches away from like some weird sexual breastfeeding situation oh, oh no yeah. oh wait that's in this no 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 but it's oh. like it's like oh. that vibe it's yeah that, no. it's that vibe oh, it's absolutely. i i would definitely so before um, you agree. like she's rapey like he was 100 percent complicit and yeah. on board for this right yeah. um he's like yes i'm in let's go yeah dolly knew what she was doing the affair quickly got Real spicy. Ooh. Um, because Dolly was had this new source of fun, and Otto was, like, getting attention and affection for one of the first times in his life. Oh, and sex. Boy. And sex for the first time <laughs> in his life. So, as you can imagine, it was an exciting time for everyone involved. Yes. Um, except for the husband, probably. <laughs> except for yeah. that. Fred probably wasn't too enthused. Yes. Um, it is... Otto himself has claimed, had claimed, he's dead now, um, claimed that they had sex eight times a day, referred to himself as Dolly's sex slave. Um, so she's a dom. That's just... Oh, 100%. There was, there's no doubt. No doubt. That's just impressive. Like, I'm... Honestly, though, but, like, a very, her, like a very young 17-year-old. But also... Like, he's got the stamina, and she's yeah. got the drive. Yeah, well, she's like, yes, yes. It's yes. no wonder Fred wasn't enough. She's like, I need someone who is, like, apparently just gone through puberty. Yes. <laughs> and is just horny all the time. Yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, she's still having sex occasionally with Fred to maintain the husband-wife thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Just making appearances. <laughs> yeah. So they're doing their thing. Um, eventually, a neighbor notices that um, this guy is regularly going over to Dolly and Fred's house, and she mentions it to Fred. Um, and Fred is like, "Um, Dolly, what's going on?" Yeah. And she explains it away and says, "Oh, there's a salesperson who's been coming by and badgering me, but I I told him I'm not interested, and he won't be coming back again." And Fred is like, "Okay, whatever." Um, he's a man. He doesn't care about what a woman says or does, really. Yeah, as long like, as she, as long as your wife doing your wife thing, yeah, right. Good for you, wife. And like she just <laughs> had really good yes. Honestly, <laughs> that's how I picture men in the twenties. <laughs> Except, hey, I have a little more of an accent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, as long as you're doing your wifely duties, I'm cool. Go get me a soda, <laughs> a pop. <laughs> give me a pap. <laughs> What's that? A vacuum? Never heard of it. <laughs> What is that, a rocket ship? It's going to take me to space. Get it out of here. <laughs> I can't do that voice. So I'm not going to <laughs> I can't do it. That's um, okay. I'm not even going to try. Everything's fine. And they continue. Dolly now is presented with a problem. How is she going to continue her affair with Otto 
with the same regularity. Go um, to his house? I don't think so. Go to his fuck house? eight times a day if you're not here for me to fuck you eight times a day. No, so. A typical age-old question. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Dolly has either the most bizarre idea ever or the most brilliant idea ever and decides that um, Otto can stay in her attic. As just like an actual sex slave at this point, yes. like quite literally He's by like, title. Uh, you know, like this is cute and all the title was great at the beginning, but like the attic? <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming he like agrees to this. So Otto is actually fully on board with this. He's like, like I don't have to a, work. I just get to bone and you feed this me. This is a literal dream come true for him because his goal in life is to become a novelist. And he's always been pretty, like, introverted and not super social. Um, he gets free room and board. Yeah. Um, I mean, and he well, gets low, low and he gets to be close to the woman he cares about the most. Yeah. So he's like, like yeah, like, count me in. So she um, gets the attic cleaned out. Uh, she has a really nice mattress put up there, an oil lamp, a chamber pot, hmm. um, as you do in the 20s, oh, have yeah. chamber pots. When was uh, indoor plumbing? I don't know. <laughs> when was Not that? Not the 20s. Indoor plumbing. It's going to be big. <laughs> <laughs> All of that happened, and Fred was like, why are we refinishing our attic? And Dolly's like, well, I want a safe place for all of my furs. And he's like, oh, duh. Silly me. Obviously. <laughs> I, I would have just been like, it's a guest room and well, a sewing room. Put the sewing machine in there. <laughs> she also had the door padlocked, and she carried oh, the key. I see. With so her it was at like, I put my valuables in there. That way, okay. even Fred wouldn't be able to go up there and just like check on her furs i guess right what rolling whatever yeah <laughs> so yeah, i'd be rolling them those so, <laughs> so sad <laughs> yeah so the attic is fully decked out for Otto. it's a little different because he has to be quiet um so um, all of his writing, he has to do. Uh, he can't have a typewriter because of the noise. And oh, so it, he just is writing with a scroll, yeah. old timey, real timey. <laughs> oh, with charcoal or whatever they yeah. have. And getting hand cramps like a motherfucker. She could get him a typewriter to write during the day. I feel yeah, like, but he's I busy like... during the day, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> right? How could I forget? I'm sorry. You're not wrong. So during the day, if um, Dolly and Fred left, she would kind of surreptitiously unlock the attic and he would come out and grab leftovers out of the ice box and um grab whatever food he wanted you know um whatever you need to do with the chamber pot i don't know how that works i don't want to know yeah um and sometimes he would just like go for a walk around the neighborhood and just hang out get some fresh air so like he wasn't entirely locked up locked up there forever she also would have him do household chores dusting sweeping so just slave slave cutting like. vegetables <laughs> um so a servant slave with benefits. he also made slave with benefits. <laughs> this is the fucked up thing i've ever heard oh my god uh. <laughs> I, yeah, yes, but like the pro- the thing is, like he was fully. She did not force him to do. Yeah, any he's of on this. board, you know. And right. he had to quit his job so as a repair, just as a sewing to machine stay at repair home man. boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Yes, 
Um, he also made bathtub gin. Um, it's prohibition. Gotta make you see your bathtub. Did she just tell her husband that she was doing that? Like, this is, yeah, this is my so gin production. I, I, but so I think Fred thought that Dolly was making it. He, he was on board with the alcohol because he was a raging alcoholic. Oh, so, so he doesn't give a fuck. And no, and the, He's like, how'd this gin get here? I don't care. Go the more it. drunk he was, the better it was for Dolly. As I said, you know, Dolly still had her marital wifely duties and still had to bang Fred like once a month and Otto had to hear that um because the bedroom was right underneath the attic oh no Otto yeah so and Otto had become quite attached to Dolly um and at one point he um was like Dolly I don't like this I'm I'm jealous like I don't I don't like hearing this and she was like well I have to make, I don't have, if I'm not married to him, I don't have money, and then I can't take care of you. Um, so you gotta suck it up and deal with it. Yeah. And he was like, ah, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a pretty, it makes I mean, it's a pretty good ultimatum, like, you know. Um, if you insist on not, you know, working yourself, which, yeah. I mean, I know back then it was more difficult for a woman to make as much money. Yeah, no, if she wasn't married, I mean, she had no real, true, like, working skills. So. Au contraire. <laughs> I don't know. How about the uh, oldest okay, profession no, uh, in the book? No, um, <laughs> I guess that uh, wouldn't solve the jealousy issue, though. Yeah, so. Socially acceptable. She could. Well, she could skills. be a madam. That, yeah, I don't true. think that's gonna yeah. go the way they want. And you know, Fred, he was getting a little suspicious. Like he would notice, um, like a steak would go missing from the ice box. Or, or furniture it was clean when they went out of town. Or like <laughs> furniture would be moved like just a little bit, or like oh, if I Otto had to going sneeze, insane. like you know he can't. Like you can try to cover your sneeze, but sometimes it just fucking hits you. Like, mm-hmm. and you know sometimes Fred would be like, "Dolly, did you hear that?" And she's like, "No, I don't hear anything." He'd be like, "Oh, I really thought I heard something." And she's like, "Oh, you need to get your hearing checked. I think I think you're falling ill," um, or it would be. You know, last you were really drunk last night, and you must have just eaten the steak, um, or whatever. And he was just like, "All right, all right, cool, whatever." Like, yeah, sure. And I mean, sense. to be fair, he was hardly ever home. He was drunk when he was, like, he, and he just he didn't really care like what she was doing. Yeah. Um, but he did have he was noticing some things, um, like regularly. Like we yeah. all hear noises in our home. And it's so we all like find those like Ugh. reasons like oh it's the plumbing oh, oh it's, it's the cats oh it's the walls uh, settling of like yeah. an old house or whatever. That's like my biggest fear is someone just casually. Well, okay, one I have multiple biggest fears <laughs> I guess, but one of my many fears is someone just casually living in my house. Yes, and I'm completely unaware. It's like a it is. It's, I feel like it's a fear that's like pretty universal like some yeah creep, like someone's like, in the walls someone's in the yeah. attic someone's in the basement and so like to know that that was actually happening yeah to this man i definitely yeah. want to do an episode centered on that just it's because just... like fuck me dude yeah the videos um. <laughs> i've seen people put online of like surveillance footage of someone like being in their house and like taking their food oh my god i'm just like <laughs> i cannot yeah um so this is all happening in milwaukee Right where they first were. So the the ostriches um, decide that they need to move to Los Angeles, to a whole new attic, establish a new textile mill. Is um, she gonna put it in a suitcase? <laughs> 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 I'm sharing a 
get a cab or something. How is she gonna get? Wait, it? no. Back then, train train rides was like the mode of transportation, right? I think trains were like really in style. Yeah. So Dolly's like, sure, we'll move to Los Angeles on one condition: I get to choose the house. It's important to me. Um, I see. And it was actually very important that she choose the house because. She's um, there all the time. That. And also, I did not know, but addicts are a rarity in Los Angeles. Uh, they find a house, um, and Dolly's like, look, Otto, um, we're moving. Um, you're going to go ahead and get settled in the attic, and then we'll just, like, meet you there. And he didn't fucking care. Cause He's like, got it. Thanks, nothing, mama. Sex lady. Yeah, nothing yeah. was changing for him, so he like he really didn't care. It's a new room, um, new city. He had also actually always wanted to go to Los Angeles to pursue his writing career. That's fair. Mm. He could submit in some screenplays. Dolly would actually well, take the um, things he wrote and send them to publishers. Yeah, I just so there are actual like published writings by Otto San Huber. Ooh, and he got published. Good for him. Good Otto. Good good Otto. Snacks for Otto. Good Otto. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's 1918. They moved to Los Angeles. And now we get to the spicy part. Well, the more This is different spicier spi- and spicier. The, the different spicy part. This is the murder. The bad time. the bad so, spice. Like, we're going from like cayenne pepper to wasabi is what you're saying. Yeah, like ghost pepper. We talking hot chip. Hot chip. (laughs) (laughs) They moved to Los Angeles in 1918. Everything is going fine until 1922. Um, On the day of August 22nd, Fred and Dolly are home and they're arguing. And this was nothing new. Um, They argued all the time. Um, Fred was an alcoholic and Dolly was a stubborn, a little too progressive woman. Who had ideas and opinions. Yeah, how dare she. Um, How dare she. Yeah, so they fought a lot. So it was nothing new to Otto. But this argument sounded particularly aggressive to him. And he started to hear what he thought were sounds of a physical struggle. And Dolly at this point is the love of his life. And he felt that he wanted to protect her. So he... Let's himself out of the attic. No, I don't know. He lets himself out of the attic, grabs two 25 caliber pistols from... From where? From the bedroom bureau. He just knows where they are because he cleans the whole damn place all the time. Yes, literally. He shines those puppies on a daily basis. Grabs those, goes down, confronts Fred. And Fred's like, who the fuck is standing by the house? (laughs) Yeah. Fred's just confused. Poor yeah. Fred at this so point. I know, like, Fred sucks, but also, like, like I can't, he can't I feel a little bad for like, the guy. And honestly, imagine? like, he, by all by all accounts, he was not necessarily a bad husband. He was not physically abusive. He That's was the not, threshold on not being a bad yeah. husband. In the, in the well, 20s. he hit her. In, in the 20s, he was not physically abusive. Dolly really had a lot of freedom and luxuries. Um, you know, she was yeah. working in his factory, like an, an actual like supervisory Corbin, job. Kinda, yeah. Um, so realistically, like I don't think he was the nicest person, but he definitely I don't think was a bad person. Right. Like some people, I'm like, oh, it's fine if they die. But like, I mean, if anything, he was passable. Uh, he was tolerable. Yeah, I think. Tolerable. I mean, I think Dolly's shittier than Fred. Oh but, yeah, yeah, by a lot. No, hundred. Yeah. Let's yes. let's remember the whole seventeen. 
you look like my my dead son. Let me just get in there. Like, yeah. Ugh. A yeah. lot of problems with Dolly. Yeah, no. A lot of them. She's, she's a little... Don't name your kid Valberga. Don't. Don't. <laughs> I don't care how, mu- how much of it's a, a Mark Wahlberg fan you are. <laughs> you leave that alone. You, you just sit down and you name that child Marky Mark, okay? <laughs> okay. Fred is confronted by this man who he actually recognizes. <gasps> oh, no. Oh, because, straight up. What? Yeah, because um, Otto had actually... Um, been seen by Fred in the house once. Dolly was like, no, no, no. It must have been a robber who got scared off. Um, you know, just like she explained it away and Fred was like, Fred was like, that was definitely weird. There had been a string of robberies in the neighborhood, so it didn't seem out of place to Fred. But nothing was stolen. But nothing was stolen. Yeah. But Dolly was like, it was, it was a robber. He's gone now. We're safe. Don't worry about it. Um, (laughs) Stop asking questions. All of a sudden, Fred sees this guy that he recognizes, and then he's like, well, he's not supposed to be here, and attacks and goes to attack Otto, because, like, a, yeah, he's like, like in his house. Who wouldn't? There is a strange man in your house. Like, yeah, like, who wouldn't? In the struggle, Otto shoots Fred three times, once in the back of the head, and Fred dies. Yeah, back in the head will do that. Um, and this presents a new problem to Dolly. Mommy. Now her husband's dead. Yes. Oh, money. That too. <laughs> that too. I was just like, oh, it's the money. Oh, right. Dead husband. Dead husband. Got it. Right. And her boyfriend murdered him. That's also a problem. Yes. Oh, gosh. And she things. wants to keep things the way they are. So she says, all right, Otto, we're going to make this look like a botched burglary and everything will be fine. So they... you can do that back then because there's no forensics. Yeah. You can just do shit in the 20s. They... And nobody, and everybody was like, oh, whatever you say. They had like Think of really... Chicago. Really basic ballistics, like they could, um, they could match like the caliber of weapon, and I think they had the like um, bullet like striations. I think they knew about that. I think, okay. but still, think, Robert could have come in and stolen their guns and still shot them. Yeah, um, or but, maybe they were like, "Oh, but I Fred had the gun, but the robber took control and took the gun." Oh, yes, so yes, yes so, so yes, yes, they both, they both, they both, the gun, the gun, the gun, the gun. No, yes, they both threw for the gun for the gun. Okay. <laughs> cool. Um, <laughs> that was neat. Anyways, well, you said Chicago, right? Uh, most of it. Okay, it's from I'm Chicago. Chicago. I've seen little parts of it. I've well, never watched it the whole way through. It's cute. I like it. And I like they both it. reach for the gun as part of her like defense. defense. It's her defense. I've I've seen like bits and pieces of it. I've never watched it all the way through. Dolly says, um, tells Otto to, like, take some of the furniture, lay it on the ground like it looks like there was a struggle. Dolly takes a diamond-studded pocket watch off of Fred that she had given him for his birthday and a bunch of cash that was in the bedroom and gives it to Otto to take up to the attic to make it look like the robbers took something. And then Otto puts Dolly in a closet and locks her in there. That way, when the police come, they will see her locked in a closet. So how could she have killed him? Right. Um. Checks out. Sure. Right. So they stage it to look like a botched robbery. Dolly is locked in a closet. Otto just goes up to the attic again. His home. <laughs> His home. Neighbors heard the gunshots and had notified the police. Right. The police show up. Fred's dead. It's sad. Um. And they're... 
they notice, you know, that some things have been taken when they hear sounds like banging coming from the hallway um, where they find Dolly in the closet. She is crying, going, Fred, oh, Fred, um, really playing the part. She tells the police that some that uh, two armed men came into the home to rob them. Fred confronted them and wouldn't do what they said. And so they shot him and ran away. Um, and the police aren't really buying it. There were a bunch of valuables still in the home mm-hmm. and things just didn't really quite make sense to them. But Dolly was locked in the closet. So they had no way of explaining of that. Explaining that. So mm-hmm. again, this is LA. Like they wouldn't even think to look in, a, in an attic. The police were suspicious of Dolly, but they just really didn't have any grounds for arrest. The detective in charge, Detective Klein, said she was the toughest dame I ever saw and that any attempts to trip her up or catch her in a lie failed. Like, she was just savvy. Uh-huh. Like, if he asked her a question, he, she would respond with a question. But she's been doing this for so many years now. Like, lying <laughs> yeah. is just like, oh, yeah, this is like breathing. And, it's like, like she, she is known as someone who is just a very smooth talker, really charming, um, very charismatic, just, just has that kind of, like, you know that she knows – but she's going to make it so hard for you to prove it. Yeah. yeah. And, like, she 100% knew exactly oh, what she was doing. Like that movie, um, Basic Instinct. Dolly is not charged with anything. No one is charged with anything. The case goes cold for eight years. And during those eight years, Otto continued to live in Dolly's attic. They continued to have sexual relationship. However, Dolly, who is now freed of the shackles of marriage, could expand a little bit um, and go back to the times of having more multiple than affairs. Multiple affairs. She just she just couldn't couldn't because oh, no. the thing that she's addicted to is like the the scandal of it. Yes, right. Where she's just like she likes I have this to dirty feel little secret, power. and she and then like her the, husband's dead. She doesn't have to hide anything. She's like this is boring. She so. strikes me as very much a narcissist. Where like the she feel likes of to it have all. the power, especially over men. Mm-hmm. Oh um, and yeah, and she knew that she had it. She like she used it to Man. her the full extent. She right. could have made this a career. <laughs> It's a safe. She had such a bright future. It kind of was her career, like just being a manipulative bitch. I imagine Attic Man isn't super jazzed about this. He's he knew about it. He knew. Okay, but I mean, he had also been hearing her have sex with her husband for years, so I think he had kind of gotten past the like. Any dream it. of being like the one and only guy yeah. for her. I was like even, desensitized to it. Yeah, and I don't think their relationship was like necessarily that like lovey dove. It, it was like weirdly, it, ha- it still continued to have that mother and son thing. Like she would give him baths. Oh, no. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. It reminds me of. Um, you guys remember in American Horror Story Freak Show, the rich kid who, like, acts like a child but, like, dresses up like a clown? Yeah. Like, that guy. Yeah. Their relationship was never anything resembling normal. So one of the people she struck up a relationship with was her personal attorney who she had hired to as a defense attorney. She um, fucked her defense attorney? When, when she was, like, un- <laughs> when her when Fred had died and she was, like, a suspect, she had hired him to, like, walk her through everything. Oh, my God. Um, so they um, hit it off. His name is Herman Shapiro. 
real so shady we horse. don't we don't mind Shapiro. Like he's he's not like the best, but he's not bad. He all was right. also just like fooled by her. Um, so Aww. Dolly is very fond of him, and she one day gives him a diamond-studded no. pocket watch. Shapiro had, I mean, gone through the case with her, and he was like, isn't this Fred's? And Dolly was like, oh, you know, I actually, I was cleaning the other day, and I found it under a window cushion, and, you know, either the robbers dropped it on their way out, or Fred had somehow dropped it in there before he died, and it just seemed like such a shame for something so beautiful to go unused. And Shapiro's like, like a little suspicious. It's a but little he also getting a diamond studded pocket watch. I, I, right, but also like he's not gonna say no. Yeah, because yeah. it is technically she was never charged with anything, and he's technically also on her side as her attorney. So he's like, all right, cool, I guess. Yeah. During this time, Dolly's doing her thing, but she's still hanging out with Otto. Um, Otto had used the money that he had made um, from his through. Books? through Dolly um, sending his work to publications to buy himself a typewriter. Oh, um, he can write loudly so, now. Yes. <laughs> he he just wrote his little heart out. Um, he likes to read murder mysteries. Um, I hear you like murder mysteries. So, well, guess what? You're in one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so Otto is kind of doing his thing now writing. Um, Shapiro is a busy attorney. Like, he's got shit going on. So Dolly is like, well, what am I going to do now? She goes and finds another man. This man is named Roy Klum. He is a businessman slash aspiring actor. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> is he also 17? <laughs> no, but I think he was significantly younger than I can't her. imagine a 17-year-old businessman. Um, I don't think he was 17, but I don't think he was her age. So they have a relationship. Eventually, though, Dolly is kind of done with Clum and uh, breaks things off with him. He decides that he needs to make a confession. So he goes to the police and he says, at one point, Dolly had come to him and said, hey, I really need a favor of you. Um, See, I have this gun and it just resembles the one that killed my husband. And it's stressing me out and I'm worried if the police find it that they'll think it was me. So... Do you mind going to the La Brea tar pits and just throwing it in there for me? Why can't she do that? Yeah, why couldn't she go to the La Brea tar pits and fucking throw it in? She should have because Roy agreed but did a shit job of it. Um, Because, so he tells the police and they're like, well, that's fucking suspicious. It's a giant bubbly sticky pit of like acidic goop. So anything that goes in there is gone forever. So the police are like, there's no chance we're going to find it, but we might as well go look. They go look, and it turns out that Roy, like, I guess wasn't very strong or had bad aim because it was just on the edge of the tar pits. But it had been there for eight years. It was pretty rusted, kind of, you know, not in super good shape, but it was the same caliber gun as the one used to kill Fred, so the police arrest Dolly. Dolly is in jail awaiting trial, and she has her loyal defense attorney, Herman Shapiro, and he is visiting her in jail, as an attorney slash lover does. Dolly, one day, just pleads with him, can you please go get some groceries and take them to my house 
and then tap three times on the ceiling of my bedroom. And Shapiro's uh, like, what? <laughs> and Shapiro's like, I guess. I don't look at whatever. Like, what um, is this weird I'm feeding here. <laughs> so he takes some groceries. He goes to the house. He taps on the bedroom ceiling three times. The attic opens up. And Otto comes out of the attic so and is like, oh, it's you. Dolly's mentioned you before. In A Crime to Remember, like, it shows, like, Shapiro's, like, drinking, like, a real big glass of, like, whiskey or something and, like, ha- yeah. and like pulls out a cigar. He's just like, I need a <laughs> while fucking Otto, moment. <laughs> while Otto then basically tells Shapiro everything. Yeah. All of it. Just because... I, I mean, at that point, I think he was like, well, the well, jig is up. Oh, yeah, because she's Dolly's arrested. going yeah. to jail. Like, he could have run away. I I don't know if it was some, like, weird sense of loyalty to Dolly or if. Maybe. I, I mean, at that was, point, where does, like, stop? Or maybe, syndrome. like, guilt had been weighing on him for a guilt, while. And he's or away. just, like, he just didn't know where to go from there. Because, yeah. like, he's lived in an attic for 11 years. Shapiro is you know, reasonably very shaken up by this. Yeah. A man just came out of the attic and recognized him and then tells him this wild ass story. And then Shapiro's like, okay, bye, I guess. Like, (laughs) yeah, like (laughs) what? What do you do? (laughs) Um, So eventually Shapiro went to the police. He did not go right away. Um, I think his loyalty to Dolly was really fighting with his sense of like, justice and he kind of fought with it for a little while but eventually he goes to the police station and says i would like to make an official statement regarding um fred's murder and the police are like it's kind of weird but okay sounds like Shapiro sorry to all the defense lawyer. attorneys out there <laughs> <laughs> um so the police go and um and shapiro talks about how dolly had given him the diamond studded pocket watch too so even more evidence against dolly yeah Otto is also arrested the media goes fucking wild um all sorts of nicknames for the case come up um the one that sticks is the batman um because he had such a cave-like he was living like a bat in the cave yeah <laughs> so it's, it's the batman case because there was no secrecy between the police and the media at this time. Like, everything was out there. Yeah, they're like, let me tell you some yes. crazy-ass shit. And Dolly was lapping it up. She loved it. Um, but she had all kinds of nicknames. They called her a naughty vamp and comely, which I think is, like, saying, like, well, she's, like, real easy and, like, like a naughty lady kind I of thing. Dolly lady. Yeah, I'm gonna say comely to me sounds like oh she's average. She's handsome. That's what I thought, but I I just really like naughty vamp. Such a naughty vamp. So I guess it's a cold case because for eight years it was, it was unsolved it was a cold and untouched, case. but then it became um, solved. It didn't really have a super like satisfying ending. Dolly was charged with conspiracy to commit murder, but she had really made this like image of herself as this like um, really upstanding member of society. The whole argument of her being locked in the closet was a real point of contention. Like people are like, well, if she's locked in the closet, how could she have like been a part of it? Um, so her trial ended in a hung jury, 
and she was let go. Yeah, so she is let go, and she fades into obscurity and dies. Otto was found guilty. Um, He was charged with murder, but was found guilty of the lesser charge of manslaughter. There was a three-year statute of limitations. Oh, my God. And so he was let go, and he, I believe he got married and moved to Canada, and then also faded into obscurity and died. That's the Batman. That's the Batman. That's oh, my insane. gosh. Yes, Jesus. Kelly, what do you got for us? Um. So uh, now that we've gone very old school, yeah. I got something new oh. <laughs> that I feel like is, I mean, it's all over the news, and I feel like. There aren't many people who don't know about this, but for those of you who are getting all of your true crime details from us, um, I'm going to be telling you about the Ga- the Gabby Petito case. <gasps> all your true crime details. We talk about true crime maybe like once every four episodes. <laughs> maybe that's enough for some people. Honestly, that's enough for me. I get super overwhelmed when like the podcast is just true crime. I'm like, I need variety. Not Hunter, though. Hunter will <laughs> no, never get tired of it. No. It's her passion. It's her life. True crime all day. It's every day. <laughs> <laughs> all right so there's i like ghosts and monsters <laughs> i like i like it all murder. the reason that this is a cold case is just because it's ongoing because i think currently ongoing per, like we have a pretty well, solid idea it, about it what the fuck like happened it so, could be a cold case yeah like the yeah. way it's set up right now yeah i, I did want to pull up the definition of a cold case by the way since we didn't really state that earlier um so by definition um it says a cold case is a crime or suspected crime that has not yet been fully resolved and is not the subject of a recent criminal investigation so it has to be currently not investigated in, but this is something we're anticipating to be a cold case so we're just gonna go with that I, I mean, Which it is could really be, upsetting, by I, the way. I really hope it's not. Like, I really hope that we get something. But anyway, this is the story of Gabby Petito. Um, she's originally from Blue Point, New York. Um, and she lives with Brian Landry and his parents in Northport, Florida. Is it Landry or Laundry? It's it's Laundry. I say Laundry. It's Landry. Laundry. But I'm like, Landry. Landry sounds like, but it's Laundry. But Landry sounds better. So that's why I use Laundry, because I... yeah. Yeah, I don't because fuck this guy. He's dirty, (laughs) dirty laundry. Yes. Yeah. Fuck this guy. Dirty Brian laundry. Dirty Brian laundry. So in March 2019, uh, Petito started dating uh, laundry. And that's like according to posts on her Instagram. Um, And since 2019, the pair have been traveling the country together. That was like their thing that they would do. Hashtag van life. That's hashtag van life. (laughs) They would travel around the country, post on Instagram um, and on YouTube, um, TikTok, all of the the social medias. Um, And in July 2020, Petito posted on her Instagram that her and Laundry um, got engaged. And it was like alongside a picture with their first date. She put a caption on it that was like, you make me feel unreal and every day is such a dream with you. Um, But that same month, Laundry started posting on his own Instagram, um, and it was mainly just art and then pictures of him with Gabby. So the couple left Blue Point, New York, um, where Gabby is originally from, on July 2nd, and they had planned a four-month cross-country trip. Those converted vans are so cool, though. Yeah, I want one. They're so aesthetic. They're so aesthetic. 
Like they had a cooking situation in there. They had mm-hmm. a bed. Like they had it planned out that they were going to be on the road for four months. And um, one of Gabby's friends like mentioned recently, which, and I will bring up why later, Laundry would, he had stayed out in the mountains and had lived on his own by himself for like months at a time. Um, so well, he was like a very creepy. outdoorsy person. And then according to their social media posts, they traveled from Florida to Kansas to Colorado and Utah. They would tour and camp at several national parks. Um, they would go to natural attractions, as you do when you travel. And they would post all of this under the hashtag van life. Uh, her most recent Instagram post went up on August 25th. And since then, nothing. So Petito's mother, Nicole Schmidt, said the last text message she received from her daughter came on August 30th. This doesn't include, though, she got suspicious around, like, the 27th. She told the media a little later on that around that time, the responses were weird. Like, they were strange. They didn't sound like they were coming from her daughter. Mm. It didn't sound like Gabby. Dude, moms, moms know. know. They know. Um, on August 12th, so before all this, police in Moab, Utah, stopped Petito and, and Laundry. After a witness called 911 about a domestic problem. So the couple were outside this place called the Moonflower Community Cooperative. Um, Moonflower Community Cooperative. That's a lot of words. Yeah. Um, So the 911 caller said uh, that they saw Petito slap laundry across the face um, during a fight over the phone. Like over a phone. Like I don't know if he was taking her phone from her or vice versa. Whatever. But she slapped him. She climbed through the van's window because Laundry had locked her out. Um, and then when police pulled them over, Petito was crying uncontrollably. The police officer said, at no point in my investigation did Gabrielle stop crying, breathing heavily, or compose a sentence without needing to wipe away tears, wipe her nose, or rub her knees with her hands. Oh, my God. Like, there's video of this. I've, yeah, I've seen it. It's it's intense. Oh yeah. My God. Well, it's the whole thing. It's it's the body cam of the police officer who like comes and oh like talks to them about it, and she's like in shambles. Yeah. You know, a poor wreck. Like, she's like, falling apart. Yeah. An absolute wreck. Um, and Laundry told the officer that they had spent so much time together inside the van, and it had created an emotional strain on their relationship that led to them fighting more. To some extent, that's probably completely true. Like. I've been in the car with, like, people for a couple hours I mean, and I want to, like, wring their neck. But, like, mm-hmm. not a serious way, yeah. obviously. But, you know, like, yeah, like, exactly or like quarantine. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, but, yeah, quarantine's a perfect example of, like, you spend all your time together in a stressful situation. Like, there's bound to be heat. But also on top of that, you have other information coming in from, like, friends and family who are just like, we didn't really like him. <laughs> this like, guy sucked. You know, like, and her, her dad is obviously like, I didn't like any of her boyfriends. I felt like she always chose poorly. Like, these guys were always kind of sketch. And then Aww. her friends were always got the feeling that he was just off, you know. You know, you have, uh. but I mean, they are saying this after the fact now. So it's it's hard to uh. say. Well, like, how, it's hard to, like, when a friend is dating someone, like, it's hard to, like, at what point are you being nosy and pushy and like overprotective, mm-hmm. you know. So it's I I I understand that. It's yeah, it's hard. It's hard. So laundry saying there's just emotional strain, um, and then Gabby is saying like she's had serious anxiety, and it's just getting made worse by little arguments that she and Brian had been having all day. Uh, laundry meanwhile said that Gabby became manic from fear that he would strand her in the desert. So she like 
openly said, I'm afraid you're going to leave me in the desert. And you're in a van. You have nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. Which, like, you're getting into these arguments. You already have anxiety. Somehow this comes out. Because that's, like, not a normal fear to be left out. But then she's, like, jumping into the car, like, through the window. So it's just, like, that's a serious fear in her head that's only getting worse the more that they argue. And then it's gotten physical now, like, at least to a certain extent. During their argument... Gabby had also scratched Laundry's face and arms, but uh, from the report, they kept saying, um, you know, we are in love, we're engaged to be married, um, and then they desperately didn't want anyone charged with a crime uh, from this domestic situation. Yeah. Um, Laundry said he felt safe and did not appear to have hurt Gabby physically. He brought Laundry to a hotel and left Gabby in the van to cool off for a night, like just kept them separate. I feel like when I watched the video, I didn't watch all of it because it's it's like long. Yeah. Um, but I, I remember the parts where Brian, he he seemed so like calm. He was very cool and collected. Very, yeah, which like I understand some people deal with stress that way, but it was just such a stark difference between how Gabby was completely different. Like she's and shaking. That just like really like threw me off that they were reacting so differently. They they pulled Gabby aside and they were like, "Hey, this seems ex- like I know it's not our place, but like this seems extremely toxic. You should reevaluate this." When the police are giving you romantic advice, <laughs> yeah, maybe look into it. They are there to protect and serve. Yeah. Mm. Like, yeah, I, I I actually this is really quick, really short, and really unfortunate. Um, I know of a I know a family, and I'm not gonna say any of them, but basically, um, there's a couple who are fighting. There was domestic violence, and then there was a third person there who witnessed it. That third person called the police to stop it, but got really upset when they arrested the boyfriend. For hitting his girlfriend they were like no we just wanted you to give him like a stern talking to like we we're just trying to scare him kind of a thing and the police were like no like there no. was domestic violence you're gonna and the, and you're you're all telling us this happened and there's evidence that it happened we're gonna arrest him <laughs> don't call us yeah. if you don't want us to do our jobs yeah they were like, I didn't think you were actually going to arrest yeah. him. It's like, what, like, what, did, what did you think? <laughs> what do you think was going to happen? We were going to handle the situation. Slap on the wrist. No. Right? Yeah. I was like, what? Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, I get the sense that, like, the police were just kind of at a, at a loss with how to deal with this because, I mean, this is not a good situation. But at the same time, the people involved are being like, I don't want to press charges. We're good. Everything's fine. It's just a bad fight. And it's just like. All right, well, then I guess there's nothing could, we can do. Like, yeah. they, they ended the up... Could the police have, like, could they still have, like, ignored them and filed charges? Uh, I don't that, think so. No, not unless, like, I think stuff like a bar fight and things like that, you can. But I think this was is different because I don't think it got as physical as, like, beating somebody. Um, it ended up being labeled as a mental slash emotional break rather than domestic assault. Which, like, it definitely was the that. only assault was, I mean, like, he didn't touch her. Then this is where it gets ridiculous and weird and wild and when we all start hearing about it. Because not everybody's going to hear about a domestic dispute on the side of the road. That's not, like, national news. In the middle of but nowhere But you know Utah. what is? You know what is, though, is when the boyfriend comes back to Florida with the van and no Gabby. Oh. Because he left her in the fucking desert. The thing she was afraid of because she knew. Her third eye was like, mm, 
I know. Police said he had driven their van uh, back there. Gabby's not there. Um, so 10 days later, when Gabby's family is like, the fuck? yo, what the fuck? Um, they reported her missing. So when police in Florida knocked on Laundry's door that night, his parents handed them a lawyer's phone number. Like, didn't talk to him at all. Literally answered the door to the police and handed them a lawyer's number. Wow, he was ready. The van was processed for evidence. Um, There's some materials that they said were going to be investigated further. We don't know what those are yet. Laundry was officially named a person of interest in Gabby's disappearance. How could he not be? And police said that they were that he was hindering the investigation because he's not telling anybody shit. He's like, he came home, he possibly told his family, we don't know, because they're not saying shit either. They're oh like, we are not going to cooperate, we're not telling you a damn thing. They're like a brick wall. And Gabby's family has been urging him to talk, the police have been urging him to talk, the lawyers have been urging him to talk. They're like, please, yeah. like, give us something. Um, and then his attorney puts out this statement on behalf of his client, addressing the silence. Uh, he says, many people are wondering my why Mr. Landry... Laundry <laughs> would not make a statement or speak with law enforcement in the face of Miss Petito's absence. In my experience, intimate partners are often the first person law enforcement focuses their, uh, focuses their attention on in cases like this. And the wearing that any statement made will be used against you is true, regardless of whether my client had anything to do with Miss Petito's disappearance. As such, on the advice of counsel, Mr. Laundry is not speaking on the matter. I have been informed that the Northport, Florida police have named Brian Laundry as a person of interest in this matter. This formality has not changed the circumstances of Mr. Laundry being the focus and attention of law enforcement, and Mr. Laundry will continue to remain silent at the advice of counsel. That makes me so angry. If I knew I was going to be a suspect in a murder, I would get a lawyer and I wouldn't say anything. Yeah. So yes, makes perfect sense. However, yeah. however, 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 you returned, you didn't suspicious. report her missing. Yeah. Like he should have reported her missing yes. and then gotten a lawyer and said nothing. That's what should have happened. Exactly. Yeah. Also, this isn't like statistically accurate, but from what I've read and what I've watched and what I've seen, people who are innocent want to tell people how innocent they are. They're just like, I didn't do this. Whether it's like they're angry that they're being suspected or they're like hurt mm-hmm. or worried about whoever's missing. Yeah. Like they're going to show some sort of emotion that they are, they didn't do it. Right. Yeah. Or suggest that they didn't do yeah. it. Yeah. And right. like sometimes it works against them, whatever. But like usually people are like, I am innocent. And this guy is just like, I'm not saying shit, which is just such a bad sign. Uh, so I mean, yeah, the bad sign to me was uh, coming home for 10 days and not reporting her or anything. Yeah. Like, the silence thing, whatever. But, like, okay. Yeah, not reporting her and driving the van home that you guys have been openly sharing across some multiple social Instagram. media. Po- like, like, it's on Instagram. It's on TikTok. It's on YouTube. Like, there is no secret that you've been traveling the country with this girl for four months and you're just going to drive the van back without her and think that that's not going to raise some eyebrows? Like, what it... Anyway, so the chief of police has appealed uh, to his family, reminding them that two people left on this road trip and one person returned. Meanwhile, Gabby's uh, family issued a statement saying they're frantically searching for answers and information in their daughter's disappearance, while Brian sits in the comfort of his home. Brian, how could you do this to Gabby? You selfishly remain silent while Gabby is all alone in in the wilderness. Brian, your silence is reprehensible. 
we beg you to do the right thing and help us bring Gabby home. Brian, whatever happened in Wyoming happened. The only thing you can control is what you do now. Tell us where Gabby is. You tarnish your love for her with your silence. He is named a person of interest on the 15th. On the 17th, his parents report him missing. Okay. Oh, this motherfucker. So on the day that he is named a missing person, he tells his family, I'm going on a camping trip. I'll be back. And so he goes out into the swamps of Florida, which is like a campground near uh, his family's house. And he's like, I'm going to be there. I'll come back. Two days later, his family's just like, fuck. Or at least I assume fuck. Otherwise, it was planned. Nothing I don't know. Nothing like a there, you can't... hot, stinky swamp to relax you when your girlfriend is yeah. missing. Yeah. Just, just a simple camping trip in the middle of a fucking murder. Anyway... Um, well, I guess it's unconfirmed at this point, but we it know it's probably murder. is. Yeah, it's murder. Police say that Landry's Laundry's attorney contacted authorities Friday because the family wanted to discuss his disappearance. Uh, they claimed they had not seen Brian since Tuesday. His parents told authorities that he left to go on a hike at a nearby Carlton Reserve, but did not return. Police said on Twitter that it was the first time the Laundry family had spoken with them at all about the case. Oh! They reiterated that Brian is a person of interest in Gabby's disappearance, but that they are not currently working a crime investigation. They don't fucking care if Gabby's missing. Oh, but if Brian's missing, sure, we'll say something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, so, so messed up. both he and Gabby are now considered missing persons. However, new information shows um, that... In Florida, they are actively investigating a deer camera deer camera footage that captured a hiker looking like Brian trekking through the wilderness near the Carlton Reserve. So they've seen him out there. They, they, they see some motherfucker. They got visual confirmation. They got some sort of like Yeti photo. Big <laughs> <laughs> Sasquatch. <laughs> However, welcome to fucking Florida where 75% of where he is is swamp. Yeah. So how's he fending off them gators? Okay, so that's that's another part of it. Gator science, go. Yes, gator science. (laughs) At the exact time and place. (laughs) The temperature has to be just correct. Anyway, um, no. It's just hard for police to get through this because they're trudging through swamp. There are snakes. There are gators. There are Nile crocodiles that people released into the fucking Florida wilderness because they're fucking stupid. They're using drones. They're using ATVs. They're using anything they can to get, like, view over this. But, I mean, it's covered in trees. It's covered in swamp. They can't see much. And every day that they put between Brian and them, like, a whole squad of people versus one person who can move on his own freely, it's more time gone and more likely that they're not going to see him. Um, I've seen reports that people saw him in Canada. I think that's completely impossible because if he is on foot and this is national news, who, what, you have to be real fucking disconnected to see like a guy walking down the street and not like recognize this person as like the guy who's been on TV and newspapers and social media and all over the place. I mean, I guess it just depends on how close you were to him. I mean, as someone who is, um alive and lives near a city i actually don't know about this case and wouldn't know what he looked like if i saw him so i don't know what he looks like i I could have walked by him i don't know that's okay though because did you hear he had to go through georgia that dog (laughs) the bounty hunter i was about to get in there dog the bounty hunters on this shit now this motherfucker all these resources like just like money and also he even put out a statement saying that it's personal to him 
that oh, like yeah. he cares a lot about this case and yeah. he wants to make sure that like yeah this guy is fucking found. He got a tip <laughs> yeah. that he's in a, like another area of this place because it's like where um, his family used to camp. So the police don't believe it because they're like, we have no evidence to back that up. But you know, your dog. So go ahead. Yeah. Also, dog bounty hunter like showed up at their door and like knocked on their door his and was like trying to get information from door? the family. Yeah, oh from like God. the laundry Ooh. family, and they called the police on him. So. <laughs> That happened. Um, but That's here's funny. where it gets real sad because the Sunday following his disappearance, mm. um, the FBI held a press conference sharing that they had found what they believed to be the remains of Gabby <gasps> in the Bridger-Tenton National Forest. And a cause of death has not yet been confirmed, but they did confirm that it is a homicide. Oh, no, Sunday the 19th of September? Right. Okay. Yes. Brian's still missing. And then the next Monday, uh, police declared Laundrie's home where he lived with his parents a crime scene, um, FBI and other authorities are searching their home and have removed his family. So now oh it's my like God. an openly like a crime scene. Also, like two days ago or like maybe a couple days ago, there is now a warrant out for Laundry's arrest. Like whereas he was a person of interest, now there's a warrant out for his arrest because guess who, what motherfucker used Gabby's credit card to get stuff, like over $1,000 worth of stuff. This motherfucker took her credit card and used it. And that's a crime, sorry, so they can now have dumb, a warrant out though. for his arrest. Yeah, that's just dumb. That is dumb. Like, I think I think maybe in his mind, he was like, oh, this will show a trail that she was still alive during this time? Or no, is no, this no, way it's, after? it's like way after. Like this happened this a is, couple days ago when they've already confirmed oh, she's okay, dead. Oh, okay, okay. So this has happened like this past week. Yes. Now we have a confirmed homicide. A credit card. A credit card. Don't know where he is. Dog is on the fucking hunt. More power to him. Yeah, no, Tiger King definitely stole his look. But we don't know the cause of death because, hi, he left her in a desert for at least 10 or 11 days. Bare minimum. Probably earlier than that. We don't know because he won't fucking talk and now he's gone. Obviously, stuff happens to body when it's out in the heat in the fucking desert, and now we don't know how she died, and, and it's fucking like awful. Vultures and shit, and vultures, coyotes, heat, like the sun, all of it. Oh, it's just bugs. fucking it's awful. Composing. It's absolutely horrifying, and like on top of all of that, like what makes it heart wrenching is like they can't, they're not giving the body to the family yet because they're trying to figure out this murder, and like this is so much for. That the family. poor fucking family to go through. Especially because this is probably a guy that they trusted. Like, at least oh, trusted yeah. enough to take his do- their daughter. Have they, abs- family. have they absolutely confirmed that it is her body or that they just suspect yeah. it to be? No, it's no, her. It's okay, confirmed it's confirmed. God. You know, they oftentimes don't like give details of autopsy results because it's, you know, if a suspect says something that wasn't released in the media, yeah. then, yeah. you okay. know, yeah, that, no, that makes sense. sense. They might also not want to be giving out too many details. That's very true. That's so very that, true. you know, that could be a way to interrogate. Dog the Bounty Hunter was saying that, like, he thinks that there's a possibility that Brian Laundrie went out there to commit suicide. Like, death by gator? That seems, like, really fucking brutal. I don't know if he meant by gators or if he went out there to kill himself and, like, have the gators dispose of the body. I, he didn't mention the gators. I'm throwing the gators in there well, because I know I mean, what Florida you, swamps look like. If you are planning to take your own life but you don't want your remains to be found, it's probably 
yeah decent yeah it's a it's a good place to do it i don't know this this case could go in two very different ways like we find him and shake him loose or don't find him and we just never know if he's skilled in surviving in the wilderness then i feel like this case more than others would have the chance of becoming cold just because it sounds like he could realistically go off the map go off the map for at least an ex- some amount of time i hope that it doesn't go cold personally i oh, no, like no, cold no. cases just shake Heart- me because i'm just like how Heart- are they just going to get away with this like yeah, yeah. you know but yeah. and then also we don't know the full details behind it like it it's possible that like there's someone else involved and it was homicide by another person and he's just a dumbass like yeah you know we just don't have enough information right now yeah but it looks really fucking bad for brian laundry all right well i don't know how much more time we really have for me to like go into other stuff i was going to mention a couple things but i'm realizing this might be a little longer than i thought it would be my thing was i wanted to bring up uh how tiktok Help solve a 19-year-old missing persons case. Mm-hmm. Digital sleuthing, man. Yeah, bro. Sleuths so, are real good. I'm fascinated. A lot of the time. Sometimes they fuck shit up. Oh, my God. Time. But, like, I know you didn't finish it, but, like, Don't Fuck With Cats was really good. If you just skip past – if you want to – if you want, you can honestly skip past the, the cat episodes. Like, the first half of, is cats. The second half is not. The cats are no longer relevant anymore. I just hated. I saw like I didn't. I, I, made I it didn't do one video the first time. I didn't watch I any of the second, cat videos. I was just like, I can't do this. Every single time they were about to show it, I literally fast forwarded it, and then people talked about it in recap, and that's how I like knew. I was like, I know a cat's abused and dies. That's all I need to know. I can't even hear people talking about it. it but just... but the people. That's why these people were so intense on the internet sleuthing is because they were so furious that someone could do that to a cat. But, like, that case is fucking nuts if you get past the cat part because they fucking do find the guy using all this crazy shit because he did eventually kill a person, right? And they were like, we're pretty sure this is the guy who killed all those cats in the videos and stuff. And, like, what's even more insane is, I guess I'll just spoil it if you guys don't ever want to watch it. The dude was a complete narcissist, and he was, like, obsessed with being famous and had created, like, a bajillion MySpaces at the time and, like, made it – and he made, he made a bajillion MySpaces to friend him to make him look, like, really popular. Oh and he managed to manipulate the internet to make him look like he was, like, a popular person online. When re- and so through that, people were actually like, oh, I guess this is a popular guy online, like, would notice it and stuff, but, like, he didn't – do anything and That's he gross. and he photoshopped photos of himself being like a professional model and all these things because he wanted to be an actor <laughs> and a model and like it was insane it was just some dude in canada who was just desperate for like internet fame and attention and he, he was obsessed with his favorite movie which is the Sharon Stone movie I mentioned earlier that I forgot the name of it. Basic Instinct. Instinct. Basic Instinct. And that he reenacted that scene as his <laughs> murder. And he even, like, did try to do, like, there's footage of him being recorded, like, it, like being interviewed like it was part of his like film in his head and he like asks so he like lights a cigarette and does like that whole thing and like does the weird I, leg spread thing even though he's like a dude with pants on but it's like 
so weird. And he literally killed the guy with like a makeshift ice pick that he like, it was a screwdriver with like, uh, like that was sharpie uh, to look like, it was like so ridiculous. It was insane. So, yeah. Oh <laughs> it's been long enough that I'm just going to fucking tell you because people won't watch it because they're like, oh, but the cat videos. And I'm like, no, it's about the murder later. <laughs> it's like That's where he literally did a whole murder reenacted from a movie he liked. Ugh. That's just too much. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's just lot. too much. That's a whole lot of negative energy. But that wasn't a cold case. <laughs> oh, like the vibe. What is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> What is a cold case, though, was for 19 years, Sarah Turney um, had just tried to do everything she could to seek justice for her half-sister, Alyssa, who vanished without a trace in 2001, to the point to where there was literally billboards of, like, she had a website, justiceforalyssa.com, and billboards with Alyssa's picture from, like, 19 years ago, going, like, gone for 19 years, no answers, no justice, what happened to Alyssa Turney, like, trying to make it relevant again. So she turned to TikTok. It blew up because TikTok is just like that. And they're like, fuck, I want to know. So what happened to Alyssa that we like knew of until now was that on May 17th of 2000, in 2001, Alyssa was 17 years old. Sarah was 12. Um, Sarah is the sister who's been like trying to do all mm-hmm. this. Um, it was the last day of Alyssa's uh, junior year at Paradise Valley High School in Mesa, Arizona. And she was going to go to a graduation party, but she never showed up. And the last person who saw her was her stepfather who had adopted her. And so this made Michael a key witness for the police and also might be assumed a suspect because he was the last person to have seen yeah. her. He told the cops that he picked up Alyssa from school at 11 a.m., took her to lunch. There the two got into a fight about Alyssa wanting more freedom because she's a teen and angst. When they got home, she said angrily that she angrily stormed off to her room. She said that, uh, he said that was the last time he saw her, was her storming off to her room. From there, he went to run errands and picked Sarah up from a field trip at 1 p.m. When the father and his uh, 12-year-old got back to the house, there was a note that Alyssa left claiming to have run away to California. And that's when Michael called the police. Um, so that's already... Sorry, Michael's the stepfather? He's the adopted father. Adopted father. So Sarah is a biological daughter to Michael, whereas Alyssa is an adopted stepsister. So it is her stepfather. Yeah. So he's adopted her. Yeah. So basically, keeping track Michael's whereabouts from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. The time where his stepdaughter went missing is from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. is where she went witness and had no witness verification. At the time, the police didn't even interview Alyssa's friends. Which, what? like, I don't know why, but they didn't. Yet the she co- was going to a graduation party. Yeah, the last her friends... didn't... The, friend, the last her friends heard was that she was planning to go to a graduation party that night, and they didn't see or hear from her. She never showed up. Michael called missing persons claim at 1 p.m., but I guess didn't tell her friends or anybody else about it. And so it's just all really weird. That's not on the friends. That's on the police to yeah. talk to the so friends. So the police should have, like, talked what to the friends. What the actual fuck? But the cops decided there was no foul play involved, and Alyssa probably was just another runaway. Ugh. So, Guys, uh... just look into it. But Sarah, just the 12-year-old, was like, this makes no fucking sense. This wouldn't happen. And she recalled how Alyssa's room, which was always very clean and tidy, was just in a wild disarray. Like, it looked like it was, like, done almost on purpose. 
And Alyssa left her cell phone behind. She left clothing, makeup, jewelry, uh and her car. She didn't take her car to California. Yeah, to California. I'm going to run away on foot to California. As a teenager, what are the top three things that you grab before you leave a fucking house? Uh, Your your makeup. Your makeup. Your cell phone. phone. And fucking car. And your car. Yeah, fucking car. <laughs> and even if And your 12 she, rings and my three bracelets and my earrings and each hole. Even if she left with someone else, though, in their car, she still would have taken her, like, makeup and her And clothing. She would at least take in clothing. And I don't... No, that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. So six months into her disappearance, Michael did transfer all of her savings into his account, which I guess they were like, this is suspicious, which like, I mean, it's a, it's a 17 year old. I'm sure she didn't have much money, but still, um, still, you know. how long after that he did that? Uh, six months into her disappearance. Mm. So Sarah didn't suspect her father, who, uh, was a former sheriff's deputy and electrician, at least not right away. After all, he said that Alyssa had called from California to say that she was okay. So Michael's real sus. If it was me, I wouldn't immediately suspect my dad. I wouldn't. Dad. I wouldn't no. suspect my you dad know, either. Like, I wouldn't. I, just, I don't. I just wouldn't. Like, yeah. just Especially at twelve super, years old. At twelve, like no. Yeah, you're no. Be like, of course it's not my dad. So, uh, in a People interview that went live yesterday, Sarah, who's now thirty-one years old, recounted this phrase of the investigation, saying. Uh, and I quote, I wasn't worried. I was under the impression she was going to be back. I didn't think her being gone forever was anything that ever crossed my mind. Oh. Uh, even as speculation emerged that Michael may have had a hand in, in her sister's disappearance, Sarah, Sarah just shook them off, even defending him, um, perhaps in part because he was the only living parent she had. However, her own investigation brought her to the same conclusion. Her five siblings shared Michael killed Alyssa. So she has five siblings. There's a lot of people in this family. And they were all like, no, your dad did it. And there was (laughs) no one home there? So I think the five siblings didn't live with Michael. They must not have. They must. I'm thinking, I don't know the age of the siblings. I don't know where they were at this point in time. I Maybe don't know with, like, exactly all this stuff. Yeah, like I'm thinking that they were from other mothers. Yeah. They're children from other yeah. women. Relationships, and so yeah. she's like half siblings with them. And they're all like, nah, fuck your dad. Mm. So she covertly recorded a conversation with her dad about what happened to Alyssa. And Michael said... Be there at the deathbed, Sarah. I will give you all the honest answers you want to hear. So basically he's saying he'll tell her when uh, he's when he's dying. on his deathbed. What? In 2006, the investigation got fresh life when serial killer Thomas Heimer issued a false confession. So this was when detectives... so shitty. So this was when detectives actually interviewed Alyssa's friends and boyfriend. So it took them five years to actually interview the friends of this fucking girl. That's insane. And her boyfriend, she had a boyfriend, and they didn't interview him. Oh, my God. I know. They were so like, fuck this away. girl. A teenage girl ran away without oh, her, her boyfriend. boyfriend. I don't think so. Or her phone. <laughs> or her makeup. Or, or her favorite sweater. Or her jewelry. I like that they wrote jewelry. <laughs> or her jewelry. <laughs> I, uh, I, needed, I needed all six silly bands. <laughs> So um, I'm so upset right now. They said that Michael was verbally abusive and allegedly he was sexually assaulting Alyssa. Mm. And in 2008, 
Michael refused to let police search his home and denied the cops access to the letter that Alyssa had supposedly left behind. I can't believe it's taking this many years for them to, like, get to this, but whatever. He instead offered a photocopy of it. When the police did get a warrant to search the home, seven years after her disappearance, they found dozens of homemade bombs, two silencers, and a 97-page manifesto detailing his plot to commit mass murder at the local headquarters of the Electrical Workers Union. <laughs> the fuck? I know. So this is when the authorities learned Michael had surveillance cameras inside his home and recorded all phone calls coming in or out of the house. A 2008 police report declared Michael Turney has exhibited an apparent obsession with his stepdaughter, Alyssa. He pled guilty for the possession of unregistered destructive devices and served seven years in prison. Michael still faced no charges in Alyssa's case. Seeking to uncover what became of Alyssa, Sarah has used various means of social media to help raise public awareness and search for tips. She made a Facebook group, Instagram account, a website called justiceforalyssa.com. She did press interviews whenever she could. She tried to get true crime fans and web sleuths involved. Um, even attended Crime Con, which, like, we should do that. <laughs> I've always wanted to go to Crime Con. Um, I actually never heard of it before this article. Really? <laughs> yeah. I uh, yeah. Um... And, like, she started a podcast called Voices of Justice. Then Sarah created a TikTok account, and TikTok is where it finally got the attention she wanted, uh, where she laid out her own investigation and video after video, which got millions of views. I saw some of them. Yeah. When I, like, I think some of the first ones. I don't think I ever, like, kept up with the case yeah. or anything, but I remember. I've, I watched a lot of them. I was like, what the fuck? The case is not closed, but Sarah is optimistic that Michael will at long last be convicted. It's re- The case has been reopened, essentially, due to TikTok. That's so exciting, though. Um, and so she says that she feels like this is exactly what she should be doing, and, like, this is, like, her calling of essentially to try to, like, I don't know, solve help solve cold cases and, like, have justice for people who've been silenced for mm-hmm, so long. Yeah. Everyone is out for Michael's blood right now, and that's what He sounds like a literal psychopath going yeah. on. That's huge on its own. Yeah. Especially because it sounds like this police force they was done absolutely up. foolish. What the fuck, Arizona? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you say he was like part of, like part of the police like force at some point? He was. So he like was maybe... part of the police force at some point. Ooh, he was uh covering but also the false confession of the serial killer. Like, that kills me. Like, you've already, like... We get it. You've already killed people. Yeah, like, you killed people. Okay. Like, yeah. a former a former sheriff's deputy. (sighs) Yeah. An electrician. I don't know why that's really mentioned, but he was an electrician. He was on the police force. This poor family. Jesus. He he had cameras. He was arrested for having bombs in his home before being arrested for suspicion of, like, all the shit happening with his stepdaughter. But he had... You they really they don't care about missing women. He had cameras in his house. So, like, was he, like, watching Alyssa? Yeah, the, he was obsessed with her. Like, he had cameras and was, like, watching her every like, move and stuff. Like, she was, like, changing and stuff? Mm-hmm. Ugh. Gross. So she had no privacy. And she probably didn't know about it either. No. Oh, my gosh. And, like, Sarah, her, like, you know, the 12-year-old didn't know either. Like, neither of them knew. Like, that's just how these are. That's how, that's how true crime is. It's fucking upsetting, guys. Yeah. This is why sometimes we talk about Bigfoot. <laughs> I don't know. It's so interesting, though. No, it is interesting. So it absolutely interesting. is. 
So I listened to this podcast recently and I really wanted to recommend it to you, you guys and just everybody listening, but it's called Dead and Gone. And I think I've talked to you about it already, Kelly, but basically Dead and Gone is by the same people who do Radial Rental. Which, by the way, if you haven't listened to Radio Rental, you need to I told her about it, like, this week. You need to listen to it. I have a whole list. But basically, what Dead and Gone specifically is, it's about this very specific case that happened at a Grateful Dead concert in the 80s. So Grateful Dead, I don't know how familiar you guys are with it. I just have always, I don't listen to them. I never was a deadhead. I never got into that like yeah, hippie either. culture or anything like that. The whole idea, you know, is like free love, peace, whatever. And like it became this huge thing in the 70s all the way up until like the 2000s to travel with the band and live in the parking lot and have communes and like all this shit. There's murders surrounding these fucking concerts. And I think it's awful people are seeing these places of like these sweet, wanting free love and just kind people and taking advantage of it and fucking murdering them. Bridget Lee, like there's a woman who's 23. She vanished while following the Grateful Dead 96. These are all cold cases. None of these have been solved. And so Douglas Simmons was last seen in a Grateful Dead concert in 1990. Mitchell Weiser and his girlfriend, uh, Benita Bickwit, went missing while hitchhiking to a Grateful Dead concert in 93. In 95, a man's body was found on the side of a highway by a Grateful Dead concert in Atlanta. His identity is still unknown. No one knows who he is. In 2008, a woman's body was discovered by a fisherman underneath a box spring in Sacramento. Her cause of death and identity is still unknown. Uh, Yeah, so in 2008, a woman's body was discovered by a fisherman underneath a box spring in Sacramento. Her cause of death and identity is still unknown. The one marker, she was wearing a Grateful Dead jacket. Um, That's so creepy. A murdered woman found in the woods of Warren County, New Jersey in 1991. The only identifying feature on her mutilated body was a tiger tattoo on her left leg, the same tiger design on Jerry Garcia, so they're counting that as a Grateful Dead murder. Uh, Two men were found dead in a ghastly Volkswagen van crash in 95, but only one of the men could be identified only clues to who the second person was, two Grateful Dead tickets in his pocket. So many of these. There's more. <laughs> and that, that's like all over the place. Yeah, like, and it's like all over the ev- country. Everywhere. But Dead and Gone really focuses in on one case, but the podcast also talks about the culture and the history behind the Grateful Dead and like interview a lot of people who were part of this commune that this murder took place in. Dead and Gone just really zeroes in on the double homicide of Mary Gioia and Greg Niffen. But Ralph International Thomas, who just happened to be the one black guy there, who also had a gun, um, was sentenced to death for the killings, um, only for it to be revealed years later that he was wrongly convicted and the real culprit is still on the loose and the podcast is all about finding that guy and it gets wild it's almost like they form their own little cult around mm-hmm. the bands you know i sorry i am not a huge fan of that type of music i've never been a fan of like stoner hippie culture and i think for me it's mostly like i just don't like the colors i'll look at like a stoner poster that's supposed to be like under black light and i'm like this angers me and I don't like it it's tacky it angers me I don't like it it's not feng shui get out of here like (laughs) I hate to blow your mind with this Katie it's because they're tacky I also agree that the music is not necessarily my thing but I have listened in on conversations between like musical people um who know like musical theory and can like 
really know their shit about that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like The Grateful Dead was mad impressive. So I like to assume that I am just uneducated yeah. in yeah. such matters. And it's I choose not to listen because it's not my thing. Yeah. But I, I, I respect them for, I guess, being musically talented. Yeah. Uh, jam bands, which is what The Grateful Dead was, no show is the same. Because they improv as they play, but it all flows yeah. together really well. And that's what makes it so impressive is how they're all able to work together so well as a group and improvise together as a mm. group live. Yeah. And that is really fucking impressive. I'm just not into the genre, I suppose. That and like, what's the sublime? Their logo <laughs> gives me nightmares. That like m- creepy mushroom face with like the sun it's like a sun it's got a bunch of shit going on in it and it's like terrifying looking like that thing gives me active nightmares <laughs> i can't get on board with the whole like peace love hippie stuff because i think our generation has seen that that isn't an option realistically we have seen that peace and love have not made the world go around so mm-hmm. it's like that's nice but like, I'd oh, like some you sweet summer child gun regulation. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I had some like not great, and this is separate from stoner culture. But when it comes to like peace, love, everyone should be this way. When I was eighteen, I dated somebody who had a bunch of friends who were kind of like that. Like they weren't. Uh, like deadhead hippie culture people but they were like yeah everyone should be sexually open and like polyamorous and like all this crazy stuff and like it's all about like love and like you know peace and stuff and like I'm gonna tell you it's fucking not it's about people not understanding that you have fucking boundaries and maybe you don't want to talk about that stuff and they push it on you fucking anyways because they think that you should be open about these things that you're uncomfortable with And that was my experience was like, you don't respect my boundaries because this is what you think like free love and stuff is when like it's it's lacking a lot of respect to me as a person. And I don't like it because I never consented to this there. I just remember going to parties and people would actively like talk about me in front of me about like things they thought I might be interested in sexually, like without my permission to talk that way about me. And I'm like, I just met you. I don't know you. Don't fucking do that. But they hid it behind this whole like, oh, we're just like stoners and like we're just really open and stuff. And I'm like, no, you're fucking creepy and you're like taking advantage of people and convincing them that they're wrong for not being into your ideals. That culture is not for me. Um, Hashtag not all Grateful Dead. Not all Grateful Dead. (laughs) Not all deadheads. Hashtag not all deadheads. But yeah, no. uh, So I guess this has been cold cases. Can I I interject a little? Yeah, absolutely. It's important to me that we highlight the fact that Gabby Petito's case brings up the point that true crime and the media and just the criminal justice system in America right now is really lacking in its need to be inclusive. The amount of indigenous women, uh, people of color who go missing and don't get nearly the attention that Gabby Petito's case has gotten, cases with more information, just different cases with people who still had really important, beautiful lives Mm -hmm. are not getting nearly the attention 
Um, so not to say that any loss is greater than another, but justice should be equal for everyone. and for everyone. Yeah. And I think it's important that we make sure that we are uplifting those voices who don't really have that on their own. The NAACP has a page um, that links to a bunch of missing and murdered um, individuals in their community. It's all just really important. Um, a lot of the Asian hate crime, crime against Jews right now. It's all important and it all deserves attention. That's my little moral reminder of the day <laughs> to not suck. So yeah. yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. Follow, subscribe on any platform of your choosing. It would be great if you follow us on Instagram. Do we have a Facebook? We have a Facebook. We do have a Facebook. But Facebook is like whatever. Instagram would be better. It's true. We're, and Twitter. Twitter is, is definitely the there. I'm definitely keeping up. Mm-hmm. So if you want to subscribe, yeah, do that. rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Pad hell cast. yeah. Podcasts. Hell yeah. Um, tell your friends. Tell your mom. <laughs> tell your tell mom. You, tell your mom. <laughs> tell your mom. <laughs> tell your neighbor. Tell anyone who likes to listen to uh, women talk about weird shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keep it creepy. Keep it creepy. Keep it creepy. Creepy. <laughs> <laughs>